This week on S4C, we've got some live football action on Saturday night. Jan did know, bottom of the table, struggling. Not many people saw this coming. They are travelling to Newtown, facing Chris Hughes' men who are having a good old season so far, but they're battling to stay in that top six position going into the Christmas period. So Jan did know, travelling to Newtown, live this Saturday night on S4C. 20 past seven on the air with a quarter to eight kickoff. Join the Scorio crew. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Longman's Football World Podcast. This week's guest is none other than Mr. Mark Gower. Started off his career as this bright young thing, full of hopes and promises at Spurs, and um, had to wait a little while before it really happened for him. And, and he got his chance in the big leagues in the Premier League with Swansea. Um, had stints Barnet, Southend. And it was at Swansea that we met, shared a dressing room, a brilliant guy, a wonderful footballer, and it was great catching up with him to see what he's doing now, post-retirement, all these conversations. They fascinate me, hopefully, as much as they fascinate you guys, seeing what everybody's up to, uh, seeing how they've dealt with the pressures, the strain of, of finishing one career and, and moving on to the next, and really good to see that Gowers is having a Having a good old time, having a, su- a successful period now, being a scout for Liverpool. Um, but brilliant catching up with him. There goes my phone, so I'll end this right now. Hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation with Mark Gower. Mr. Mark Gower, it's been a long time, mate. It has been, mate. Without social media, I wouldn't know what you look like. It's been that long. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It is. It is. I feel like like we see each other last week just because of you know, I follow you on Insta and see what you're up to and that. But it's got to be what seven years I ain't seen you from six. More, mate. Something like probably, that. Probably. When did I? I left Swansea at 2009. Yeah, it's probably longer. Nine years. I, I'm yeah. not even sure if we would have seen each other after I left. No, you're looking better than me, mate. <laughs> Kept yourself in shape, didn't you? Uh, hey, it's all about keeping busy. You know what I mean? It's that, we were just talking then, it's about a routine and 
stuff like that you you've you found it a little bit tough to find that routine do you know what I just even as a player I didn't really particularly like that side of the game like I, I wasn't I wouldn't ever say I was a natural athlete I always had to work at it love my food love my drink yeah. and it was always sort of a constant battle you know like now around Christmas time when everyone's eating the turkeys and going out for drinks and all that I, I used to think I can't wait to finish so I can do that you know what I mean yeah. so now I've, as soon as I finished I've, I had a right go at it and I ain't really sort of found <laughs> my way back to still, the gym yet. You still have the right years ago, yeah. yeah so it's tough, isn't it? You, you know, I've, I've said many times, did something similar when I finished playing. It's, it's nice to not have that routine. It's it's nice to be on your time for you know for a short period, and you can choose where you want to eat. You can go out for a beer with your mates, whenever. If it's a Friday night, you can have a beer over Christmas. But probably. A year, eighteen months. Didn't go to the gym and that. A year, eighteen months after, I needed it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I just started feeling a little bit shitty about myself. I think you f- you find out a few things about yourself when you quit, didn't you? Because during your career, you told to be, where to do, what to eat, what to wear, what time to be there. You know what I mean? And then when all of a sudden no one's telling you where to go in your own time, you find out a little bit about you know how dedicated you are, how much you really want it you know what I mean and things like that what sort of shape you want to be in you've got to constantly work at it and I've just found that like I do want to I, I like obviously like to be fit and like that feeling of being fit but it's just not the be all and end all for me at the minute I'll be, it might come back round again but at this at this stage like, I just I don't want to go and plod me way on a treadmill for half hour, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I'd rather do something, I'd rather have a cup of tea, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And I think, I think eventually it will come back round, but at the minute I'm, I'm alright, like I think I'll be one of those New Year's resolution cases where I'll go, right, jam first, yeah. come on then, let's have a go, see how long it lasts. And then but, by the third, yeah. a little party comes Yeah, out. I see some... You know, I see some stat the other day about it. it's like by the, the 18th or something, 70% of people who give the New Year's resolution one of caved in already but we'll see mate it's uh, it's all in the pipeline the thing is you're never going to you just need to find something however big however small it doesn't have to mean that you're going to run a marathon next year it's just you, you might never run again I don't, yeah. I don't run now because of my knee yeah. it's about finding something that you enjoy otherwise you're not going to stick to it no I, I mean I, I signed for my the last couple of years I, my brother plays for a vets team and uh, they play every week and train a couple of times a week but every time I go I love it enjoy it being with my brother the social client after the boys are great but it's on a Saturday so you know I'm working every Saturday so once in a blue moon I'll get to play so I can, I'm not getting into a rhythm where I'm constantly doing um two or three sort of active things a, a week and that's what you need really and it's to get into like that sort of rhythm because like, I don't I don't want to plod around the streets I don't want to go to the gym and, and sit on a bike for an hour or the treadmill I'd rather do like say a class or you know something active you know that gets you involved and it's not boring and it's just as of yet I haven't actually found that routine but I'm sure I will we, we just briefly explained that we haven't seen each other for a long time and I've purposely come in, come in and met you today I think I know what you're doing now, but I'm not 100% that you're still doing it. Right. So, 
what, what is worse? What do you think? What do you think I'm doing? The worst scam for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, still doing that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we just touched on it briefly. Um, come out of the game with no real plan. Not really a great one for taking advice. You know, towards the end of your career, you get these people around you that say, "Have something in place. Make sure you do something. Make sure you're going into something. Don't have that time out." But that's exactly what I did. I had. Well, in the end, it worked out about 14 months, I think, where I was sort of at home, getting under the wife's feet and... Uh, living off your savings. Living off my savings that, you know, like, back in the Swansea was, you know, pretty fruitful in terms of finances, so I had a, a bit of money behind me, like, obviously in, not a, in a good a position as some, but better than others. But I've got three kids, you know, wife, mortgage, cars, phones, you know, it's savings and my savings were never going to last me like, I always knew I had to do something yeah. but it was it was a quite it I'm at actually life how much life costs when you've got three kids you know so it got to a stage where I was waiting for a favour really off someone and, and it never it never came to a certain extent and then your wife sort of said to me you've got to get out you've got to, you've got to do something you've got to put yourself you got to put yourself out there, and like as much as I know people, if I'm if I'm sitting indoors, no one sees my face. So I ended up contacting. Well, my wife filled out the form for me to do the B license with the Welsh FA. Yeah. And um, I ended up going down there to do the uh, the B license. Never really had. I always thought I'd be quite good at coaching, but never really had the passion for it. And like probably in a lazy way, thinking. Oh, you know, I'm not that fired up to do it. I won't be good at it. But looking back, it was just an excuse not to do something. You know. Yeah. So I went and done the B license and actually enjoyed it. And the, the guys there were brilliant. Good course, and really good course. And do you know what? It put, gets you out of your comfort zone. As much as I didn't want to be. Yeah. Scared, yeah. nervous. Yeah, yeah. Day one, within 20 minutes of going there, you had to stand up in front of the whole room and tell, you know, say a bit about yourself. Yeah. Which basically snapped me out of it straight away and then for the whole nine days I just I just really sort of attacked it and really enjoyed it so that was basically the route I was going to go down and then I don't know like I think you kind of the career you have and you know I've been a professional for sort of 15-20 years you think not that you're owed anything but in terms of the ladder coaching ladder I felt like I should you think sort of go in at a certain level you think something's going to pop yeah. up yeah you th- I think oh. do you guys want to only use the room because we can turn the music off in there if that helps is that possible yeah, it is. yeah. I'll just put a sign in the door so nobody else goes in because everyone can go are you okay in there and I'll tell them all that you you're sure? alone. yeah it's fine oh, thank, thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you. we'll yeah. give us a little pause we're <laughs> moving sure there we go we've had a little move there little. less music little secluded area for us mate yeah you crack on mate so so work where was I yeah so you were expecting expecting somebody yeah and listen don't get me wrong I was grateful that the things that were coming up I was I was I was being offered some I was being offered some sort of academy roles coaching in academies which which was fine but the length of time I'd had out finances became an issue as well it wasn't like I could just you know go and take a job that gave me uh, I earned £30 a session 
yeah. where which some of them, you know, some of the lower Cat Two, Cat Three um, academies were offering. I mean, by the time you, you 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 drive there, you get your coffee and your croissant and whatever, and then drive home, you've you've earned no money. Which, although I know I needed to go and pay my dues, I I needed a little bit more than that, you know. Yeah. So I was hoping for something sort of either a higher academy or you know getting in through someone that I knew, but it just didn't come along, and. Um, you know, that's when you. Re- I think that's when you realise you have to really put yourself out and go and get something. You know. So, so this was after your missus filled out the form for the B licence. Is that because you weren't sure? And uh, she uh, said, "Listen, this is happening. I'm yeah, sick of you. Sick of me. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, if you don't sort of get off your ass, because like, let's face it, it ain't very attractive, is it? Someone sitting indoors all day doing nothing, feeling down about themselves. And I know a lot of players do that, but that was where I was at. And you know, my missus is a bit more driven than me, you know, she was like, get off, get off your ass and do something, you're going to be, the frustrating thing for her was that she felt like, and I do obviously feel like I've got something to offer, but she could see like wasted potential there as well as me being a lazy so-and-so, you know? Yeah. So I've done the B, started getting the juices flowing a bit, never really sort of committed to, oh, I want to be the next Pep Guardiola type, thing you know I, I just sort of knew that football was where I wanted to be but coaching okay let's try that mm. so in the end I gave Brendan Rodgers a call and because you know when you like towards the end of my career I'd worked under some really like high profile managers and you know Roberto Brendan Paolo Souza, Michael Laudrop these types of guys who've got so much to as a player probably offer or as a coach you know some of the best coaches in the game to, to date so I'd never taken any of it in yeah. you know you how know, weird is it it's, like, it's, like I'll, I'll let you carry on but that, that B licence day one because you've got to go through your C licence before you get onto your B in that, in that week or eight or nine days yeah. and to set up for your C licence the most simple exercise so say a box you know like a box that we've done in training so many times rondo boxes four against two I had to set that up mate and I'm, I was so like not nervous but I'm thinking oh how big does it have to be is that too big is it too small and you're like how many times have I done this how do, how have I not taken any notice it's possibly into the thousands isn't it <laughs> at least probably thousands of rondo sessions keyboard yeah. sessions you've done and then all of a sudden, you've got to think about the dimensions of the pitch size. How many balls do I need? How many, how many bibs do I need? Yeah. What type of cones do I need? Whereabouts, you know, how many players? It, it was just like, oh my God. It was like a sort of a rude awakening. But anyway, yeah, so I, I called Brendan and he's, he was terrific with me, like in terms of my, at the end of my career, really sort of got the best out of me in the last few years, got as much out of me as I possibly could and, and, and vice versa. I, I, I kind of feel like I gave it my all yeah. in that period that he was there yeah. and we had such a successful time and he was so easy to talk to and, you know, we really got on well. So the fact that I felt like I could call him up. Was it calling him up for a catch-up or for a job or...? Basically, what I wanted to do was get a few sessions off him, go and watch training. Yeah. Just so I could come back with like a maybe like a a chord sort of ten twelve sessions where I could then go away and and put that into practice, put my own little spin on it. But I had nothing. I had not one piece of paper with a session on it. 
obviously I admire um, stuff from the from the coaching license, but I you know you get home and you you think like you need a holiday after the coaching thing. So the the folder went in the garage, yeah. and you think okay, so I thought if I can go up there, I'm pretty sure that within seeing Liverpool train two or three times a few sessions, everything would start come flooding back to me. And it did, like, you know, as soon as you... He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, welcomed me up there, spent a few days with him. He gave me, you know, access to every single session he's got in, you know, he's got folder after folder of stuff and he was like, take it, photocopy it, take it home, it's fine. And they were great. And then on the last day... Uh, I, I was up there two or three days on the last day we had lunch and like right at the end of the lunch he was like listen you know why don't you do a bit of scouting for me while, while you're doing along with your coaching badges you know you can earn a bit of dough and the you know the guys here will help you and I was like brilliant that's it's perfect like because it's not like sort of too much room get go and get on with it but it was a nice sort of introduction and you know let's face it it was Liverpool Football Club it's a fantastic opportunity yeah. So I got in the car, drove home, and buzzing, you know, buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Would you have discussed wages then? Because you, you're saying you didn't want to go out and do thirty pound per hour sessions, but was it something that you discussed with Brendan? Or it were, was, no. were you thinking, "Fucking hell, does he expect me to do this just for just for expenses?" It wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't a sort or that formal. It was. It was a kind of like, do you know what? I'll get the. I'll speak to the guys for you. You're down in London, I'll get them, you know, you can do a bit, of, you know what I like seeing a play, you know what I want, you can go out and do a bit of scouting, get yourself back on the circuit and, and, and it'll go along with your coaching, get you back involved. So I was like, I hadn't, at that stage I didn't even think of the money, I was just pumped that I'd seen him, done a few days there and there was like a window of opportunity all of a sudden from nowhere. So, you know, in the car on the way home on the Bluetooth to the missus, oh, he's offered me a scouting job she was like over the moon like you know obviously because it was a chance for me to get back out there and um, so I come home going on for about sort of I'm talking probably two or three months now so it was the back end of the season where I went to see him then we had the close season obviously then the, the, the season had started again and I was still like not heard nothing and I didn't obviously want to pester him. Yeah. And um, I was actually in the garden one day and I'd been talking to a few other... Because when the scouting thing originally got mentioned by him, I'd not really thought about it, to be honest with you. And then once he said that to me, I was thinking, do you know what? That's something I might actually like. Like, possibly more than the coaching. Mm. It seemed to excite me more than the coaching. So I started talking to a few people about that, and uh, this had been like nearly three months now past the, the chat with Brendan, and um, I was in the garden on on the phone to a guy from Millwall. I was just about to take a job with Millwall, yeah. and I was because I was just desperate to start earning some money again. And um, I'm on the phone to this guy, and I was like saying to him, "Look, you know, ideally I'd been offered a job at Liverpool, but it's not coming to thingy. But if if I don't hear something soon, then I'm." You know, is is it okay if I come and work for you? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you." Blah blah blah. Money weren't great, but it was a start. You yeah. know. Mrs. comes out of the back garden and screams at me, "You've had a job offer from Liverpool in your inbox for two weeks, and you ain't looked at it." <laughs> like, because you know, emails and all that. 
I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I didn't know how to write an email. I didn't know how to attach anything to an email sent like completely and utterly from scratch. Left everything to her. Left everything to her. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you, you know, what bank my mortgage is with. Yeah. You know, I couldn't. You would not have been I, able to. I, I, te- you, you wouldn't have been able to tell me how much your mortgage was. No, you wouldn't have known how much you were paying for electricity. No, no not a clue. Would you? No, not at all. Nothing like that. Water bills, gas bills. She done the lot. You didn't even know that you had to pay. No, I thought it was all free. <laughs> no, so yeah, so obviously like a rude awakening then in terms of real life and budgeting and and this and that. And she's been great with me with that, you know, like helping me with that sort of stuff because. You know, when you earn that sort of money, you don't have to save for nothing, do you? Like, if you want it, you get it. If you want to go on holiday, you get it. If you want a new telly, you get it. Like, it's it's not real world, is it? Yeah. So yeah, so sh- luckily there was a, a job offer for in in my inbox, which I eventually read and replied to, uh, and went up to see HR at, at Liverpool, and um, yeah, got cracking with that. So it was tough at the start because looking back now you don't think about it you just go along with it but I was sort of shoved onto the recruitment department right. and none of them knew me you know the, the guys that I've been there four years now they're absolutely top draw first class fellas but they would have thought look at this guy he's latched onto the manager yeah mm-hmm. he's, he's one of the manager's boys we don't know him like probably kept me at half, arm's length for a while until they realised they could trust me and like sort of bring me more into the group and you know, to be honest, I've, I've, you know, I've really sort of give it my own and done well at it now, and and I've been there four years now, so it's 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 been really good. So explain the role then, you know, because how many people I've grown up with in North Wales area, someone says they're a scout, oh, I'm a scout because they've got a coat, either because their boy went on a trial or their boy signed at under eight, you know, and all of a sudden they're a Man United scout. Yeah. That's not the real world, is it? No. So, so what is what is your what does your job entail? So basically, um, Liverpool, uh, we've got like a whole in, the scouting network departments are getting astronomical now. There's so many people working in this. There's so much money in the game. Transfer fees are above and beyond anywhere anyone thought they would go to. Yeah. But you know, you see like a Deli Alley now that's probably worth a hundred million pounds and he came through the academy at Milton Keynes Don so you know people like that are like gold dust so scouting networks are constantly looking for that type of bargain where they can go on to become you know global superstars and you can pick them up at at MK Don's you know so basically I now cover the south of the UK yeah so there's me. Do you remember Andy O'Brien, the uh, big centre half at Newcastle, Newcastle Leeds? Yeah. yeah. So he famous lived... for that picture of the ball hitting him on his nose. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fantastic, great lad, really nice fella. I work closely with him. Between me and him, we cover the UK. So he lives in Harrogate. Yeah. Um, he covers the north of England. I cover the south of England, and we're constantly in dialogue about sort of players. And uh, I also now have expanded my role and I cover Holland as well. Okay. So I'm over in Holland at least three, four times a month watching games and reporting. And All ages? My remit is from 17 and up. So I work possibly not so much youth team, but under 23 football. Yeah. 
and then any sort of youngster from the age of 17 to 23 that's playing first team football yeah. I need to know about them if they're possibly potentially Liverpool FC standards so it's, it's really good it's really interesting so when you first I, I would imagine if I put myself in your shoes and you first get that job you play football for a number of years. You think you know what a good player looks like. Mm-hmm. And even I now take satisfaction in seeing a player, whatever level, thinking, this lad's got something. And then you hear other people, nah, he's not, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, a year or two later, he's doing well. Yeah. You're thinking, yeah, I fucking spotted him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, is it something you have to learn your craft like every other job? Def- Especially when you're talking about Liverpool standards. Yeah, there's definitely a period. I would say it probably took me six months to... I think you, you have to train your eye to the game's so quick now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's so quick and physical and powerful and strong. And you have to, at the top level now, you have to be an athlete. So, originally, you know, I, being a midfielder, I, I like a player that's got a lovely touch, that's got a bit of vision that, you know, can take the ball off both feet, spin, turn, play a ball through, or, you know, create. Yeah. But, Having said all that, if you can't move to a certain level, then... You've got to knock that out of yourself a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I needed to train my eye. Although I played at the top level, I needed to train my eye to see what a top-level player moves like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I could go to watch a sort of a Category 2 or a Category 3 game and there'd be a like a winger, quick winger. Yeah. And you think, oh, he's quick. And then you see him play against like a Category 1 side, where like maybe a Spurs or an Arsenal. And then like he's all of a sudden, he's not so quick. So his main attribute was he was fast at that level. But then when he goes to play against the top players in England, Scotland, Ireland, all of a sudden he's not as quick as you thought he is. Then he ain't really got anything else to offer. Do you know what I mean? So it's hard to... You have to train yourself, train your eye to know what... A quick player at any level looks like not necessarily. You know, you might go over a park and think, "Oh, that kid's quick," or you know, you might see Stevenage play Crawley and you think, "Oh, he's quick." But then when that Stevenage team goes and plays Crystal Palace or Southampton, all of a sudden he ain't so quick, and you think, "Oh, I thought he was going to be quick, and he's not." Do you know what I mean? It's it's things like that. So that took me a while to train my eye. At the managing gals, you know, it's both sides of the spectrum, if you like. Now, as a scout, you could be one that is real, real tough on the players you're watching. You think, ah, I'm not Liverpool level, not Liverpool level. And then all, all of a sudden, you might miss a Deli Alley. Yeah. You know, because on that particular day, you didn't have a good game. Or you could go too far the other way and you fucking send too many players up to Liverpool. And they're yeah. like, yeah. oh my God, guys are sending another yeah. batch. None of them are good enough. Yeah. So you've got to find that middle ground, I guess. Definitely. And, and uh, I d- you know, no one's got no one's got a crystal ball. No one can go. He's definitely going to be a player, or he definitely ain't going to be a player. And no matter how good you are or think you are at your job, there's always going to be that player that, from 16 to 17, looks underdeveloped. Looks like he's got no scope. Looks like this and that, not great. But all of a sudden, six months later, he's a man. Like, how many, you know, you see the boy David Brooks at Bournemouth now, released at City because he was too small. Now, I'm not saying anyone at City made a bad judgment call. He was probably getting overrun, getting overlooked in games. Games were passing him by. He didn't have no strength, no speed off the mark, anything like that. All of a sudden, 
he gets released makes a name for himself at Sheffield United by shooting up all of a sudden he's not so small he's got a bit of power he's got a bit of pace and he's showing out and he can affect games so no one can know that that's what you're saying is for every David Brooks there's been another 5 or 10 that were exactly like him at 16 yeah. and then didn't develop and then didn't develop which is like you say you, you, you see kids and you can you can have your own personal opinion on looking at their body and thinking okay can he can you see scoping him? Can you think he can develop? And you're never going to be like right all the time and you're never going to be wrong all the time but you're guessing to a certain extent and there's always going to be them players that come up and bite you on the bum but you can't do nothing about it as long as like like you say before you said about you think you see players and you can hear other people going nah he's not from ever. I think if you stay just got to stay true to yourself write down on your report your bit of paper what you actually think as long as you're not beating around the bush and being influenced by others I think that's all you can do and that's all I've tried to do because football I think football more than anything else you know not just sport anything else probably in, in the UK is somewhere where people have their opinions but so many times it's not their opinion they're, they're repeating their mate's opinion or, or you see now on Sky Sports, Gary Neville will say something on Monday Night Football, and because he speaks so well, all of a sudden you've heard that. Oh, that made sense. So that's what you t- say to your mate. Yeah, Man United, they're not, you know, their centre halves are not splitting enough or whatever. Yeah. Even if you don't understand it, yeah. And that filters down. And I think it's the same with players. I've seen it with coaches. It's like a negative culture. Everyone looks for the for the negative in a player. Do, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I like to go against the grain in yeah. that sort of situation. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, th- I don't think it does any harm to listen to what other people have got to say. You know, I- I've learned a lot since I've been in a job from from my bosses. Like some some stuff that I generally wouldn't look at. Other stuff that, you know, for for instance, like, you know, like a say say like a centre half. A centre half is such a tough position for a youngster because then you know a lot of its contact and strength and and bits and bobs being in that dominant position and a, a young centre half can sort of read the play well read the ball and make the correct decision to go and try and in, intercept the ball yeah. but a 28 year old seasoned veteran just gets there before him and there's a lot bigger and stronger and rolls him and, but a, the original decision to go and win the ball was the correct one so when his body eventually catches up and he can handle the contact do you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's things like that and like at the start I didn't really look at stuff like that because you just see the game as it is and you think oh, who who played well who stood out but there's stuff that you can learn from players making the mistakes yeah. and then seeing okay next time will he make that mistake or if he gets under the ball when the ball comes again will he get under it again or will he learn from it like, and things like that so it's it's been really interesting intriguing and I'm really enjoying it Brendan then leaves Liverpool how long after you was he there for a season? Was yeah, no, that was, the role? that was a really tough one because I think I, by the time I'd sort of found the email and the missus had, we'd had agreed to, to take the job and everything, I think Brendan went in about the October. As I recall, they, they, they fired him sort of shortly after the, the Merseyside derby. I think we drew one all with Everton. And I think the decision had been made before the game that Jurgen Klopp was available. That was the way that was going to go. Okay. And he got sacked just after the game. And I, I remember, um, I don't think it had been 
I don't think it had been three months, mate. And I was like, oh, you know, when you just like I could. You thought maybe you you'd get cut cut away. Well, I was probably at that time. Although the you know, like I say, I can't reiterate enough. The guys were absolutely fantastic, bringing me in, you know, and helping me. At that probably at that time at that early stage, I was probably still seen. In my eyes, I probably was still seen as as Brendan's boy, you know. Yeah. But I got the. I said to my wife, you know, you know what will be will be. We can't do nothing about it. Monday morning, my boss calls me. I'm thinking, here we go. And he calls me, and he was just like, "Look, we've been really pleased with you. We know it's a tough position for you. Brendan's been great with you and all that. But you know, you work for Liverpool Football Club. We're happy with you. We'd like you to continue." So. Yes. Absolutely over the moon. Yeah. Although, obviously, still a little bit. You know, Brendan bought me, and what do I do? Do I call him? Do I? You know, it was. It you, was a, you. You were probably. It's not as if you were working real close no. alongside Brendan. You know, it's not as if you were a trusted. No, but it just had. It just added that different dimension yeah. to the job. The fact that I'd played for him, he'd bought me in. Yeah. You know, when Liverpool won on a Saturday, I felt like I could text him and go, "Yes, get in there, Gaffer," like yeah. that sort of stuff, you know. And then all the, all of a sudden, that was gone. Yeah. And um, but you know, luckily for me, and obviously, you know, pay myself a bit of, of credit, I did really sort of knuckle down, you know, get used to it quickly, and 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 really worked hard. And I suppose if I hadn't have done that, they might have let me go. But the fact that I you know, I really sunk my teeth into it straight away. They were they were happy to keep me, so it all worked out okay in the end. So, unable to send an email, has that changed now? You know, you must be working alongside analysts at the club, and yeah, I do. I do a lot of computer work. I, I wouldn't say I'm completely computer illiterate by no means. Like my coordinator calls me acid fingers at times because I'm always like. <laughs> ringing him to say saying it's gone wrong with my computer but yeah. what I do know is I know how to do my job yeah. I know on a computer what I need to do in terms of the websites I need to be on the stuff I need to do and the emails I need to send if something goes wrong I can't fix it yeah. or if I go outside the perimeters of what I need to do for my job on a computer it will probably take me way longer than it would take you but I can now receive and send emails. And yeah, good for you. Guys. Yeah, yeah, use that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been a process, but you know the old typing fingers are getting quicker, so it don't take me half hours to find hello now. <laughs> no, it's been good, mate. I can't, you know, I can't thank the guys enough. And you're probably guys, if we if we take it back, you're a product of your environment in terms of being at that time. It's very different now with young players at clubs, but. Started off at Spurs, yeah? Yep. So that's all you knew. That's yep. all, you've never been in a situation where you had to change a light bulb for yourself. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Little things like that. So you, you've actually gone, and in turn pro until I was almost 21. Now, I had to live almost the real world, if you like, to a certain extent. So I kind of knew when I finished playing football, when I retired, I had an idea what it was going to be like. Yeah. You just lived in that football bubble. I think I actually, that's a really good question. I think actually my youth my youth career has probably got a lot to do with what happened to me when I come out of the game because from pre- pretty much the age of fourteen I was an elite level player. You know I, I went to Lily Shaw 
I played for all the England youth teams up to 18 until I got injured. I was one of the ones that were given the pro early at Spurs, yeah. you know, highly thought of. So from literally the age of 14 up until, you know, I, did, I didn't know any other way than to be treated like that. And I didn't have to do anything, anything for myself. Food was cooked for me. Clothes were clean for me. You know, I got picked up if I needed to go somewhere or I was on a coach in a hotel. You know, I never had to do anything for myself until probably I retired. And you were seen as like a future, probably a future star. Yep. So people, all you had at that age was people being nice to you because yep. they thought this guy's going to make it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You need yep. you need low points in your life and your career yep. to know who your mates are, yep. to develop your own personality properly. Definitely. Absolutely. And obviously all careers have got highs and lows and I did have a few lows in, in my career but you know looking back I can only think of fun stuff you know I had, a, I had a good career I had a lucky career in terms of I had a knee injury when I was 18 that was serious that kept me out for a year but other than that touch wood they were soft tissue injuries they weren't you know the sort of stuff that you've had to put up with and and that mentality to keep getting over it getting over it getting over it I didn't deal with any of that Yeah. so you know, and I came out of the game on my own terms. I was ready to finish. I wanted to finish mentally more than physically. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of actual, like you know, real setbacks, there weren't that many. Probably didn't fulfil my potential, but that's something I've got to live with myself because yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know, I probably didn't dedicate myself as I should have as a youngster. But at the end of it, I ended up getting some rewards and playing in the Premier League. So at least I can put that in a box and say, you know, do you know what? I got, got I got there. Yeah. You know, so it was all. It, I ain't got. I ain't got no nothing to grumble about, really. I, I remember. I don't think you're aware of this story, man. Because when you signed for Swansea, the Mad Monk, right? <laughs> we knew you were coming in, and Monks Monks mentioned um, a story. I think he was playing for Torquay at the time. Do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, he got called in somehow. The big monk, like to an England camp, yeah. So I don't know what age group you can you can tell the story as as you saw it, but got pulled up late and he's turned up because he was dead proud, you know. He's turned up in like a talky blazer, he said. <laughs> and this Mark Gower, who I don't you, you probably wouldn't have known each other only to play against each other. Yeah. You just took the piss out of him, mate. Yeah. This I young don't... ginger fella with a big <laughs> a big nose that kept, keeps dripping on the golf course turns up in his talky blazer. Oh, no. Embarrassing mate. It was uh and then, we didn't, but boy, you'd say, don't tell, don't tell him the story, right? Don't tell him that you know that you still embarrassed we, him. We, we, I don't think he... I didn't really have any hatred towards him because I didn't know what had happened. Yeah. But um, <laughs> when I signed for Swansea, I, you know, there was, there was a bit of, like, friction there, I think. But, like, not so much on my part. But I knew I'd never really got on with him, you know? Yeah, but you didn't know why. But I didn't know why. <laughs> um, yeah, so... The story goes, he was um, he was like one of the later arrivals. Uh, we'd already had a few um, few uh, trials, yeah. so we were getting down to the nitty gritty. But by that time, everyone knew each other, yeah. and I'd been in and around the England setup for sort of like a couple of years by then, so we all knew each other. And then he come like late as one of like the last sort of possible people that are gonna sort of maybe budge someone out the way. Yeah. And he told me that Torquay, it was a big day for Torquay. So Torquay had asked him to wear his, bla- his Torquay blazer. But on, on, 
<laughs> on the itinerary at the bottom, it's like smart, arrive smart casual before yeah. giving you your thingy. So we're all like, we're all playing pool in the pool room in our tra- tracksuits or jeans or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he walks in in his tall key blazer and like, I mean, come on, <laughs> you got, you know, I, I can't remember what I said, but I turned <laughs> to someone and was like, who is this geezer? <laughs> and he seen me obviously do that. Yeah. And then, uh, it's, obviously felt bad for him now knowing that he was sort of that's how that he felt him on, yeah that, well obviously but then he said it got even worse because he was told he was rooming with Jody, Jody Morris at the time and then he got into his in into his hotel room and Jody was leaving and going oh mate sorry I've changed I'm going to I'm going to he was coming to room with me because he wanted to room with me because we were mates yeah. so not only had I Buzzed off his talkie blazer. His roommate sacked him off of me and all. So how old had you been then? 16, I'm guessing. So Jody Morris wouldn't have... Would he been close to breaking in? He, Jody was one of the first... As When we left Liddyshaw, he was one of the first... First lads to sort of get into the first team. You know, I was... I remember he... He was playing at Stamford Bridge under Glen Oddall with like Di Matteo and yeah. Dennis Wise, and I was still playing in Spurs' youth team. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, what's going on? Like, I, you know, I always sort of We're thought to myself, other, yeah. yeah, you know, similar standard level, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, I was going to Kensington and he was picking me up from Kensington train station in his Porsche. Yeah. And I had like a clapped out old fiesta and like within a space of a year yeah. he was there and I was there and it was just like it was it was shocking to sort of see that sort of distance between us a year after leaving the national school right place right time yeah just on. you know I, I went to Spurs under Spurs we had Jerry Francis you know not really like I was a technical sort of midfield player you know and I went there and within sort of I think six months I'd done my knee and I was out for over a year and by the time I'd come back Jody was playing England under 21s playing for like Chelsea in the UEFA Cup and I think we just sort of went from there really so it was but Monks would have probably seen you know this up and comer seen the list he's rumoured with Jody Morris a little bit nervous yeah. but thinking oh I'll get to know this young lad he's going to be a future superstar yeah and he just got binned he got binned and then <laughs> When we played in the youth team, we played in the youth team in the FA Cup at the Dell, yeah. and he up by this time he hated me, yeah. and I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, we played Southampton in the youth cup at the Dell, and uh, I think I can't. He tells it better. He obviously no has got yeah, more yeah. of a vivid memory of than course. me. I can't remember if we were down to ten men or they were, but it was one all, and I scored with five minutes to go and took my shirt off and. <laughs> Running round the Dell with my shirt off, he said. I think like the if he'd have had, it, yeah, again. the hatred went to a whole new level. Isn't that interesting? Because yeah, go on. And then it just festered for years until I signed for Swansea. Because I don't think our paths crossed like really. No, you, you say that though. There's an interesting little correlation that you, you know, for, for your career to to get back to where you wanted it to be, Southend, brilliant for you, I'm sure. But Southend and Swansea were. You know, they weren't far off that each other. It. So that first year, I think you both got promoted from League Two the same year. Maybe Monks' first year at Swansea. And then the second year, that's when I signed. We had good battles. We were both yeah. towards the top of the table. Yeah. So for him, Mark Gower was still up against him. Yeah. You probably couldn't remember him. He suffered He suffered with a bad knee injury, didn't he? So I think... Yeah, the year after that. Was it the year yeah. after? 
Well, I, you know, I remember, I remember you come into Roots All once, and it was kind of like the Trundle Freddie Eastwood that's show, right, wasn't yeah, it? And it was live right. on Sky. Yeah. Uh, I think we won that three 0 that day. I think. No. Was it? Yeah. I that think might have so. been League Two. I can't I remember. I played the year after we won two right. one. Yeah. So yeah, it was it, that would have been League Two then. But like Monks was always insignificant to me. Like he was all like I don't even know if he played. Like I'm, I must have megged him or something. But it, you know, I remember Tatey and I remember like Trans and Robbo. But I just must just have this. Me. I must just have this hold over him where he's not really an important part of my life. <laughs> no wonder he wasn't the one giving you. The yeah, and then right? like later, I'm thinking, like as soon as he got the Swansea job, I was thinking, here, here we go, move out the way, Lakey, on the new player liaison. <laughs> but what's funny is you end up being close mates. Do you oh, know I mean? Honestly, he's the first year uh, I signed uh, a room with Leon. Hmm. Got really close with Leon, great lad, still talk to him now, fantastic guy. And then at the end of that season, he moved to Sheffield United. And I think Christian O'Leary either retired or left or was sold. So all of a sudden, me and Gaz were, were good mates by then. But all of a sudden, we were like hunting for a roommate. So, yeah. you know, we became roommates and I, I roomed with him for the next four years. And we become really close you know, we play golf together, room together. He'd come round the house for dinner, vice versa. So yeah, we became really close, and you know, I've got the utmost respect for him, and I'm great to see him doing well. And you know, I've got a lot of time for Gary. He's a, he's a lovely guy. What do you remember of that time coming up to Swansea? Then up and coming club. How did Roberto sort of? Um, how did he build you up? Because my God, he could do that. Yeah, do you know, I didn't. He, I didn't know anything about the way you were playing. Uh, my, my concern at the time was my agent and my wife had said to me look you know I'd, the season before I'd had a really good year in the championship got 10 goals and my, my contract was up for renewal and the chairman at South End was so South End got to the championship before Swansea yeah but then we got before. relegated yeah okay so but I'd had a really good season and my agent was going to me you've just got 10 goals in the champ like South End were offering me you know, for argument's sake, £100 a week more, just just say, I don't yeah, know, yeah, I can't yeah. remember the figures. And my agent was going to me, he's like, you're better than this, you can play higher than this, you can earn more money than this. And my wife was saying, just take a chance, let your contract run out, have a bit of faith in him, in your agent, and, and let's see what offers are on the table at the end of that season. And I was like, two kids, mortgage, what if I get injured last game of the season, and I ain't signed my deal, that sort of stuff, you know. But in the end, we went for it, and... uh you know, lo and behold, I've become a free agent, 28 I think I was, and I had quite a few offers on the table, and um, you know, my wife sort of famously said, anywhere but Swansea, she didn't want to live in Swansea, like, Swansea's got that perception, hasn't it, of yeah. like, you know, not being like, the greatest place to live in the world. And distance wise. Distance wise. So, I had, I had arranged to meet Swansea, Blackpool and Doncaster in the same day we were good, me and my agent were going to go all over like get the train meeting get the train meeting get the train meetings and Swansea was first up yeah going to Swansea sort of see the you know the old Port Talbot and you think oh my god but like go through had a meeting at the stadium and like you say Roberto just absolutely blew me away in the in the meeting sort of 
30, 40 minutes. He'd already mapped out how many minutes I was going to play that season. Knew my date of birth, knew how many goals I'd scored the previous season, how many assists. Like, just, you know, coming from Tottenham, that that new era of, of manager wasn't about. And I had Jerry Francis, George Graham, old school, like headmaster type people that you were scared of. Then I had lower league managers that maybe could get camaraderie together and motivate you. But that attention of level of detail that, that he went to, I'd never seen before. So I come out of that meeting and rung the wife. We hadn't even agreed the wages yet, but I wasn't bothered. I just said, oh, I've got to play here. I need to sign. I need to play for this geezer. He's like, just absolutely blown. I didn't even meet... Um, it was Simon Grayson at Blackpool and Sean O'Driscoll at Doncaster. I didn't even... No point. No, no I, I just... I, I had my agent ring and said, look, thanks, but no thanks. Mark's made up his mind and I rung the wife. I said, look, I know you didn't want to live in Swansea, but we're going to have to because i got to play for this guy. And it was... It was... Uh, it How was, special, like, on the podcast, it comes up often, Roberto, stories about Roberto, and sometimes I'll take the piss out of him because yeah. of some things that he said to me. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I, mem- I remember you saying a few things. You know, sometimes that could not be his downfall, but... You know, it's, he can talk some shit sometimes. Absolutely. But there's a reason behind it. It's to build someone up. And, you know, that's just my humour to take the piss out of him saying yeah. that I was better than fucking Sergio Bruschetti. Yeah. Sorry. But there's something about it, like this magnet, magnetic quality. If he sits you down, he will convince you of how good you are, how good you can be. He, 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 oh, I honestly think he's capable of brainwashing someone yeah. he's, he's that powerful and clever he's and intelligent he, oh, he's so he's so clever intelligent he's got it's a skill it's yeah. an art what he does I remember once uh, this is in the first year so I was rooming with Leon and him and Graham, jo- Graham Jones was the assistant so they had this system of uh, you, you, you were probably still there right now yeah, so, yeah that first year yeah so when we played away uh, we'd have our pre-match go back to the room and then if any, someone was going to get dropped the phone would the ring phone. yeah so I had that call a few times yeah but I roomed with Leon yeah. and Leon never got dropped did he so if ever the phone went I knew it was for me <laughs> not him so there was the odds occasions when the phone rang there goes yeah. the gaffer wants to see you that's the one so on the Tuesday night um, we played I think maybe Hull at home and I was man of the match yeah Played really well, probably one of my best performances Cut. for Swansea. No, in the I think it was in the league. We was in the champ. The hole was in the champ. I think. Yeah. So I can't remember the result, but I played really well, and I, I got man in a match, and I, I came off the pitch thinking, "Oh, lovely," because we had Portsmouth on the weekend in the FA Cup, and this was when Portsmouth was like Sol Campbell, Distan, Crouchy, Cranshaw. The they won the FA Cup. Man. Could be. Yeah. I'm not sure. Anyway. So they were in the Premier League, we weren't. It was a massive game. I think it was third or fourth round of the FA Cup. So I'm thinking, I'm pl- like, I ain't even thinking about not playing. I've just got man in a match on the Tuesday. So uh, we've had pre match gone back to the room. So the phone's rung. And I'm thinking, no, yeah, it can't be. <laughs> Don't answer it. It might be Leon. No, I'm thinking, because I play so well, I'm thinking, it might actually be Leon this time. So Leon's picked the phone up. He's gone, gals, bonne wants ya. I was like, no, nah, that's it. I am having it out of him now. That is it. I am, I'm not taking this. This yeah. is crap. This is bullshit. Like, I'm not having it. You can swear, mate. Sorry. This you is bullshit. Yeah. So, um, 
I've marched, I've marched in there like not like I'm gonna have you, mate. Gone in there, right? I swear to God, I come out of the meeting feeling lucky to be on the bench. <laughs> he went to me. You're not gonna play today, but your performances this season deserve you deserve to be in a Premier League environment. He goes, I was gonna leave you out. He goes, minutes wise, you know, you're in the red zone and all this. <laughs> But because you've played so well Tuesday, I'm going to put you on the bench. And I'll come out of there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy I'm on the bench. I could have been in the stand when there's not one part of my body going into the meeting thought that like I weren't going to hammer the life out of him thinking, how can you do this to me? Like, yeah. You know, confidence-wise and all that. But he just had a way about him. And I left the meeting feeling delighted to be on the bench. Was it your first pre-season, uh, the one where we went to Spain? Played, played four games in five days. Barcelona B. Yeah. Espanol. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, we were like three down to Barcelona B. Did you play in the first half? I played. I played uh, almost the whole game. Did you? Yeah. So you would have been one of the only ones because I played. Yeah, the, I was in the first half, mate. Oh my god! I didn't come off. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that, changes. That's three that, down. Yeah, that was my that was my saving grace of that trip because if I'd have come off at half time there, I would have been on suicide watch which you probably were because we got absolutely battered battered, didn't we they had Thiago in midfield you remember well I say to anyone anyone asks that question who's the best player playing against it was fucking Thiago yeah because he was megging me from all sorts of angles mate he dropped a shoulder once I nearly dislocated me it like I didn't know what was going on he he gave me the eyes every time (laughs) so I'm closing down the left back and the right back's just swarming up upfield on the ball unbelievable I was like he was so comfortable on the ball, wasn't he? And I was thinking, there was times when we we were pressing, and I was thinking, go on, play it into him, then go on. And like he'd play it in, and he'd somehow like he just couldn't get near the ball. It was amazing. And, but we were obviously we were all fighting for places to start the season. Coming at three 0 down, it was a strong squad. Yeah, and, and and also it was the one of the worst times in that. Yeah, we're a team, but you were also gutted that your teammates did well. Yeah, you you would have sampled first oh, half and second half. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh for fuck's because we were close to the start of the season then. Yeah, but it was a strong that first half. I had Ash Monks. Yep. Um, I think it was myself, Ferry, and Jordi Gomez as a midfield three. Yeah. Tatey played. Yeah, I was I was on the left. I think. Oh my god. Yeah, we played. We we got absolutely taught a lesson, didn't we? Coming half time. Roberto was fuming yeah. because Barcelona. Yeah. Um, I think Guardiola was watching. Yeah, it would be Lu- Luis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Luis Enrique was the yeah. The Brits, Brits decided not to play. He was sat sat in the stand alongside Messi. Yeah, fucking. Pretty. So I was lucky there because if I'd have been bought off at half time there, I would have really feared for my place at the start of the season. Mm. The fact that I stayed on, well, I think I was only one of two or three that stayed on. Mm. Because uh, most of the team got changed, didn't it? And we ended up coming back. I think we lost. Did we draw three? Yeah. Three on, and we had, you know, I think I played sort of 70, 75. But by the time I'd come off, I'd sort of, as a team, we'd redeemed ourselves, which obviously, when you're having your shower after the game, made me feel a whole lot better than some of the boys that had yeah. come off at half time, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that was uh, that was quite good that I was one of the ones that got to stay on because I had a different outlook. You obviously knew Roberto was a good a good manager from that first meeting yeah but not even you wouldn't have foreseen what would happen for you personally in that in that spell that you had with with Swansea 
Definitely not. No. You wonder, would you have gone in and thought by the end of this journey with Swansea, I, I would have played not only played in the Premier League but but stood out as well? I, I think like obviously no, you can't ever say that. But I think this where the club had come from. I don't think they realised what sort of a good squad they had there at the time. I think that first year in the Championship under Roberto, and it was only for me the fact that I was only one of a probably a two or three other lads in that squad that had played Championship yeah. football before. Yeah. So it's very difficult when you've been League One, League Two for that long. Then all of a sudden, you think it's going to be an unbelievable standard. Don't you it? think it's going to be an um, and you get drawn to the names on the back of the shirts and the stadiums having thirty thousand people in them, and it takes you a bit of a time to adapt to that. And it ain't till you strip it back mm. and go, do you know what? I'm as good as it, more better. Yeah. But it takes you that while, and I think under Roberto in the champ, it took us at least ten, maybe twelve games to realise we were. Belonged. It belonged yeah. at that level. Because in that pre-season, sorry guys, he was saying, we are going to get promoted. Yeah. And the lads are like looking at each other yeah, thinking, what's he on? Yeah. And, and the, it is now, the championship's littered with players and and clubs that are, have, have had Premier League experience. So like you say, it takes you that while to think, hold on a minute, I'm, 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 I'm as good as him or I deserve to be here. But you can't give in that championship level. Championship is such a hard league, isn't it? Yeah. And you can't give teams a ten or twelve game start. You know, we probably picked up. I don't know offhand how many points we had, but it weren't till we got a big scout and we like beat someone or beat someone at home or away, and you know we started dominating games with a possession and the chances. And it got to a point where we knew when we were going on the pitch, if we took our chances, we would win the game mm. because we got to that level of confidence. And looked after the ball, and everyone was comfortable on the ball. That we knew that if we took our chances, he, he, he used to say to us, didn't he? He'd say, "Look, they're going to drop off. They're giving you the draw. They're surrendering the territory. They're giving you the ball. They're giving you the draw. If you take your chances, you're going to win." And we all bought into it, and it was it was great to play in. It really was. But you've come in as a winger, so were you? You know, similar to Leon. When I first got to know Leon, I didn't know he was a centre midfield player. I didn't know that that's how he'd grown up. I just saw him as this right winger who would eventually just surpass any of us centre midfield players, yeah. right? But that's where he wanted to play. Yeah. Were you the same? Because you, you were playing wide of a three where I guess there was an expectation to score goals yeah. and that was tough for you. Yeah. Well, it, I'd never struggled with scoring goals, to be honest, till I come to Swansea. And um, I'd always been someone that had got either into double figures or approaching double figures. I'd always got sort of seven, eight, nine, maybe ten goals a season from midfield, which ain't setting the world alight, but it's, it's a significant contribution, yeah. you know, yeah. to as a midfielder. And uh, I remember coming in and they give me the number 11 shirt. I don't know if you remember. And yeah, the, the, the boys were like... Yeah. It's cursed. <laughs> Daryl Duffy had it. Someone else had it. I'm not sure if Powell Abbott had it. Powell Abbott had it. They were like, Gals, get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's cursed. It's cursed. So I went and see Roberto. I said, Roberto, can I change my shirt now? But the boys are not having it. Like, hey, man. Yeah. You will be no, the person. Yeah. Man. This is going to be your number. So I was like, oh, okay, Roberto. Yeah. So I kept it. Never scored like the whole season. Hit the post, hit the bar, had a goal disallowed. And it just was like, oh, it's the curse, it's the curse. Mm. But, you know, I, 
up until that point, that first season at Swansea, I'd never struggled to score goals prior to that. And like, I, I was always a central midfield player, technical, like sort of like to be on the ball, like to pass it. But when you get when you go in them lower leagues, it's so physical, isn't it? And like the the, the central midfield area yeah. was a battle. Yeah. And so, if anyone's going to be pushed out to the wing, it's going to be yeah. like the five foot ten sort of kind of lightweight guy that's a bit more technical. Deserves to play, but got to fit him in somewhere, and it ain't going to be yeah. in the middle. And so probably the first one to get taken off because yeah. he's not playing in his natural position. Yeah, exactly. So that 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 was what it was. But in the end, I I, I ended up liking the position as long as you get the ball because you're reliant on people getting you the ball when you play wide, aren't you? Yeah. But I always wanted to be on the ball. I always wanted the ball. I was happy to receive it anywhere. But playing wide. You, you rely on others to get you the ball. That was the only downside for me of playing wide. But I can't. I can't enjoy. Cause no, because yeah, feed yeah. And also, you didn't, you didn't fucking want you to track back. No, no. It, Front it, three, you stay. Better have yeah, Wheeler. It was the dream. It was the absolute dream. It was like if the fullback overlaps, then you go with him. But if he doesn't and he stays there, you can stay there. It, it was, was our job as a centre yeah. field player to go across. And he help. trusted, yeah, he trusted the fullbacks in one v one situations. But also, like you say, yourself, Leon, uh, Ferry, you would have to sh- perhaps you would have to shuffle over and 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 become the extra man in the two v one. So for, for wingers, it was great. So who was it? Was it Brendan who brought you into the middle of the pack? Yeah, so uh, obviously Roberto left, went to Wigan, and um, I thought I was done then. Do you know, I was, I think I was like 30 odd, and there ain't many 30 year old wingers about it, you know, and I, I was never quick, so I was thinking we'd sign Nate, we'd say, sign Nathan Dyer, yeah. Scott Sinclair would come, Brendan bought Scott Sinclair in, I'm thinking I ain't, I ain't getting in this team. You know, I'm I'm definitely not getting in as a winger, and like you know, you're looking inside, and there was like good players in there, and I'm thinking I'm per- I'm over thirty now. Like I had a I had a bit of a worry, like thinking I I could be done here. Yeah. And then Brendan, I think Brendan sensed that, and uh, we we sat down on the training ground one day, and he was like, you know, I'm. I'm not going to stand in your way if you want to go, but I don't want you to go. He did say, oh, he goes, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay, fight for your place, blah, blah, blah. So that encouraged me a bit. And then I think, you know, like when the season starts, the, the second game of the season is like a cup match normally, isn't it? In the League Cup or something. Yeah. So I started the season and then the second game of the season, the, the cup match, I was sub. And for the last half hour, I come on in the holding role in midfield. And just like sort of got on the like, it was so easy to play in, in possession then yeah. because it, you know Swansea was a big pitch, and I just went on there and sort of you know done really well. Never give the ball away. Not a physical player, but shut lines off. You know that all that sort of stuff. And then the next game, I think we played. I can't remember who it was, and I was starting in the holding role, and ended up playing 40 games that year holding midfield and we got promoted yeah. Leon had left that was it Leon had left and gone Sheffield United so there was a bit of a spot there and we uh, we tinkered with a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 so I, would, I was the one sitting in front of the back four and then Joey. we changed yeah we changed a bit and we sort of like went Dobie in the hole and me and Joe sitting okay. because at the start it was me holding and Joe and Pratt's in front of me and then 
towards the end, Dobe started playing really well and we switched and become um, a 4 2 3 1 with either me or Joe or me or Leon with Joe in front. But I was always, if I was fit, I was in because I was playing well. Class. And uh, had a fantastic season. And then right at the end of the season, I got injured. Portsmouth away, done my ankle ligaments. Yeah. So I was, I, I managed to get back fit for the start of the playoffs, but I hadn't trained. So we went to Forest away and got a draw. I came on for a like half hour, but I was still sort of semi-limping, but didn't want to miss out getting through it. And then at home, we won 3-1 or something. I didn't get on. I was on the bench, didn't get on. And then obviously for the final, I was sub, but come on with about 30 minutes to go, which was great. Premier League, what was that like? Because we spoke about getting into the championship and nobody really believing that you belonged. Yeah. But then pre- Premier League is another level in terms of people's outside perception of what the league is. Did you think we're going to be all right because of the way that you played? Yeah, I just thought, like, we, sometimes the Premier League, I think, suits teams better. Like, I know we're seeing teams now struggle a little bit that, that try to play, but I just felt like, I felt like I was more designed, I was designed better to be a Premier League player than a Championship player. I think you used to say that. Uh, Brian Flynn used to say to a lot of, lot of players, it will suit you playing at a higher level. You'll get more time on the ball. When the time comes for people to close you down, they'll close you down quicker, but you will get more time. Yeah, because it's a bit more tactic. The, the championship is not... It's, it's such a like hustle-bustle, up-and-atom league. The ball changes hands so many times. you know. And in the Premier League, it's a bit more tactical. So there's more build-up to the play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you lose the ball against the better teams, you get punished and you get punished quicker. Like Against the top teams, i found... You could give the ball away in their, in your sort of when you're attacking, and yeah. within five or six seconds, someone's having a shot at your goal. You know, so there was that difference to it. That that was that was the big gear change. Like the the level, the yeah. ability level was much higher. But for a lot of the teams, like you know, you found like you had more time on the ball, and they wouldn't engage you until you was in a certain area. Yeah. So for for the most part, you could sort of get on the ball and pass it and do what. What you wanted with it? And there was it the three of you, Joe, Brit, yourself. You you're on all those lists, weren't you? Possession. Yeah, yeah. That was another story. That was uh, we got. I got. Uh, there was an international break once, so they you know Sky Sports have to fill the time a bit when there's no Premier League game. So they'd done some they'd done some tests, and it showed that I was creating the most chances. For, for any team in Europe I was creating like 3.82 chances a game or something you know so obviously they've done this big thing come down to Swansea like I wonder if the England manager's aware that you know you're you're out creating Messi and all this and it all got a bit bit of fun and all that so anyway the, I was sort of like the net, you know I was the most creative midfielder in England at the time due to the stats so obviously it was a nice bit of bit of uh, exposure for me so the following game after the international break we had Stoke away and uh, Brendan's on the Friday night we're in the hotel and uh, Brendan's got his like little mouse with the you know the projector and he's gone uh, obviously the boys go away didn't they for international breaks boys have four or five days in Dubai and all this so some people might not have been aware of like what was going on because I stayed in Swansea that time yeah and uh, he's gone, oh, uh, 
can anyone tell me who the most creative midfielder in Europe is? Obviously, I know, don't I? Because it, it was me. <laughs> but the lads have gone, oh, Messi, like, Javi, blah, blah, blah. And then Leroy Lee has gone, Gawa, like that. So Brendan's gone, Leeds, my man, like that. And he's pushed a button and it come up, Mark Gower on the projector and all this, like, most creative midfielder in Europe, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he finished all the spiel and he went, right, lads, team for tomorrow. And I was sub. <laughs> It was like it was the big shit sandwich. He'd like built me up, most creative midfielder in Europe. Right, team for tomorrow. It was like British Joe and someone else, and I was on the bench. I was thinking, oh my god, come on, Gaffer, I'm the most creative midfielder in Europe. How can you leave me out? <laughs> yeah, that's what you should have said. Yeah, yeah but it was fun. You mentioned Leroy Leah there, loose cannon. Oh, I I liked Leeds. I had a lot of time for him, but he was. Yeah, it was always saying going on. He, really? he, yeah, he was larger than life. Always up to something. It, him and Danny Graham sort of bounced off each other quite well. Yeah. Um, Wayne Routledge was in there as well. Them three sort of, they were living in the towers in the marina together. Yeah. And they just got up to something new every day. One day I was having, I was having dinner indoors with the wife and kids. He had this massive ruckus outside, little like turning in Kilae. They come round on three quad bikes, just like revving them outside my house. Like all the neighbours coming out, like they they done some outrageous things. But just, I think they were just bored, you know. Yeah, like yeah, not much to do. Trying to find uh, things that I think there was one time where they, I think they threw three tellies out of a window in the space of three hours or something. <laughs> they went, they threw a telly out the window. Went all the way to Curry's, bought another one, yeah. plugged it in about to play the PlayStation again, then Leeds ripped it out the wall again and threw it out the window again. <laughs> and then they had to go back to Curry's and get another one. See, that's the problem with no strip club in Swansea. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they got up. They were, they were uh, larger than life. Leeds, Danny Graham and that. It was a, it was a good time. It was different. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, everyone had more money. You know, it is different, isn't it? That, the, the, you, you, yeah, something's you, missing when yeah, you get to that level. Def, definitely, we. I I thought we kept the balance quite well to be here because there was still a core of lads that were sort of frightened it might go away. You know, like we knew what it was like before, and we still wanted to maintain the hard work. And then there was this other pool of lads that were coming in. We we gel quite well, but you could see like there was a shift in terms of. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, there's people getting you know million pounds or whatever a year, and that they can afford to do what they want when they won, and all that sort of stuff. And it, it and it all changed. And you boys are all talking about coffee clubs and that. And yeah. Thinking, what? Yeah. We don't do stuff like that. No, no. It was it was it was definitely shift. It was a definite shift, but in a good way, I suppose. It, you know, everyone had everyone had earned the right to earn that sort of put yeah. the hard grafting and and the good contracts and bonuses came. Mate, we could go on for a couple of hours, but I know you've got, you got to pack your bags for Amsterdam tomorrow. Yeah, I'm off to Amsterdam tomorrow, mate. I've got to go and see uh, um, the Champions League, innit, this week. So, we'll go and see a few of the younger boys and PSV have got Barcelona, so I'll go to that one and see how they get on. Yeah? Yeah. Have you got a favourite ground for your half-time soup? Um, I don't know. Arsenal's quite good. They, Arsenal's Arsenal's. How good's the Chelsea media room. I went to um, I went to Wembley the other day as well for when England played America. Yeah. That was a not good spread. Yeah, I had to slow myself down, like you know, when you look, go up for seconds, and you can feel the people looking at you, thinking, "Look at this geezer," but it's what it is, isn't it? Uh, wrap it up, then, guys. What's the plan? You know, you're doing what you're doing now. 
Are you happy just to be doing this? At the minute, I am more than satisfied with where I'm at. I mean, you know, I was 40 in October. I retired at 35. I was out of the game for a year. So I'm a baby in terms of, you know, where I want to get to uh, in the scouting or recruitment department. It took me probably a year to learn the job. So I've been basically for the last two and a bit years sort of really having a go at it. You know, the club's a fantastic club to work for. The, you know, the, the hard work showing on the pitch, it's a great club going in a great direction. So at this moment in time, I'm absolutely happy where I am. I don't see any need to change anything. In the future, chief scout somewhere, maybe head of recruitment somewhere. Who knows at this for this minute, no. I'm happy what I'm doing. Keep keep me head down. Keep working hard and see where it takes me. Top man, it's been great catching up, guys. Thanks for your Brilliant, time. Brilliant, mate. Cheers. Top man. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Gower. Brilliant catching up with him, as discussed in the chat. Hadn't seen each other for probably nine years, and unfortunately, it was a flying visit. He had some things to do. We only found out very, very soon after recording that uh, he'd mixed up the school run and he didn't have time to spare. He didn't have time for another little coffee afterwards. His kids had been left cold, wet, vulnerable in the wind and the rain, so he had to rush off. But brilliant catching up with Mark Gower. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. If you did, leave a review, subscribe, leave a rating spread the word tell a friend about the podcast the long man's football world till next time ta-da